It is week number 12 of Minnesota Vikings football as we welcome you to the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside Jay Notson, our special guest of the night, Mr. Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider, and our producer, Mr. Eric Davidson. Guys, this is a week where the Vikings coming into this week, you were saying, okay, well, this should be a, we should be on a six game win streak right now. But at the same time, the Vikings are still two games ahead in that last wild card spot, that seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. And just looking at last week's loss, Kyler, uh, we'll start with you. It, it really doesn't mean much when it comes to seeding, losing that game. But still, what did you learn about this Minnesota Vikings team in that 21-20 loss at in Powerfield at Mile High last weekend in Denver? Yeah, I think the difference is the vibe, like the feeling, of not so much the actual playoff percentages. Yep. If you win that game, you feel like, watch out for us. Like, we are dangerous. Yep. We're scary. And when you lose to a team in Denver that's getting a lot of praise out there, but I don't think is a particularly great team, and that was a game that I think everybody thought the Vikings should have won, mm-hmm. then it takes a little bit of air out of the balloon. Uh, when I went back and watched the game, my feeling was similar to when I was there in Denver, which was I thought that the Vikings consistently outplayed the Broncos. I thought the Broncos were maybe the best version of themselves uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. They pressured Josh Dobbs more than I expected them to do. I thought they covered well. They had a lot of different coverages and Dobbs was able to move the ball pretty consistently throughout the night. And it's one of those that I think you have a lot of regrets over because you're in the red zone first down at the 12 yard line and you go put that in and the game is over. Or there's, you know, a couple of third and shorts where it's just convert this one and the game is over. Don't fumble and the game is over. And that's one that feels like it really slipped out of their hands at the same time when you outgain the opponent by 100 yards. I mean, if you put up nearly 400 yards of offense and give up under 300, you're probably winning 95% of the time. So there's regrets. But at the same time, if we're judging what is the long term of this going to be, it it did not take the air out of the Dobbs balloon to Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, those first couple games were a fluke and now they can't do it. I mean, they moved the ball really effectively. And I think that there was also a, a breakout game there from Ty Chandler, which it adds another dimension to this offense that hasn't been there. So there's things to take away that would make me say, look, this can continue to roll and they can be a playoff team and they can be dangerous to other teams. I wouldn't like change that opinion because of what we saw in Denver, even though it is one that you feel like they really like get away from them. Yeah. You just hit on a lot of really good points. We were able to run the ball. We were able to gain yardage. Ty Chandler seemed to have that spark that this Minnesota Vikings offense needed. But Jay, the three turnovers are something that everyone is talking about. This is the 19th time this year that the Minnesota Vikings have turned the ball over via fumble, and we've lost 14 of those. If we only lose two fumbles, I feel like we win that game on Sunday. I think uh, Bursich was actually talking about that leading up to it during the week, saying there's kind of this weird delineation line that if we are minus two or better, Mm -hmm. then we're okay. But as soon as you hit that minus three mark, that's where it just seems like everything goes haywire. And I think O'Connell even talked about that just saying this past week in his press conference that we know what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen this before. We saw this earlier in the season and then it just reared its ugly head again in this game. And it just felt like, as as you pointed out, the fact that we won all of these, you know, key metrics that we were supposed to for this game to win the game. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, we got sniped by one point in this thing and think about the 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 turnover deep in the, in the in the Broncos side of the field and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that turns into three points for them just all of these minuscule 
minor details are the things that keep popping up in these weird losses. It felt like the the Chargers game earlier in the year, same kind of thing where you just had these host of pieces that kept coming up and, and it were the things that were the difference makers. So that's why I think a lot of people aren't necessarily panicking because mm-hmm. you go, we know what this is and we can clean this up. Now the whole thing is you can't keep doing this over and over right. again because then that's what becomes the identity of what this team is. And I don't think that's who this team is. I think this team is one that now that you're going to get close to the bye week after this one, and then you're going to make that run. I think they all understand we have to play clean football in order to win these games. Well, that's what is so tricky to, I guess, analyze in a game like that, because look, Kareem Jackson should have been called for a penalty. And I would like to ask Roger Goodell to allow New York (laughs) to step in when it's clearly something, if it's raises to the level of a four game suspension, Mm -hmm. then why can't New York step in in a a situation like that? And I, and I know that that's, you know, I don't know the procedure, so they can't change it mid game, but well, technically you can, because if Kevin O'Connell would have reviewed the spot of the ball, I believe there is like a probable probable cause type of effect when you're looking at the replay. So I believe that happened to us, the Chargers game, where we challenged the spot of the ball, but we actually had 12 men on the field. So we won the challenge, but we also lost, I guess it was like lost um, a, a loss of down or a lost five yards. So, I mean, in that situation, yeah, you're probably not thinking about that because you just didn't convert on fourth and one and so on and so forth, But but still, yeah. Right, but it feels like I'm taking crazy pills. Like we, <laughs> we just we we all watched what happened. He yep. clearly lowered the crown of his head. Indeed, and they have a process in place where you can eject that player from New York. Yet, if there's no flag thrown, then you can't. But it's also incredibly difficult for the referees to pick that out in the moment yeah. because did you hit him six inches lower in the middle of the chest, clean yep. hit, or did you hit him in the helmet? Or how much did you lower the crown is impossible to see in real time. I mean, we were there when when I saw it. Did you think that was a dirty hit? Not yes. initially. I mean, I did. I didn't. I, I thought like, oh, that's just a good. That's a, just a good football play by mm-hmm. the Broncos player. And then I see the replay pop up on the TV in the press box and go, okay, mm-hmm. wow, they really missed that, and that causes you you know to give up three points there uh and that was to me one of the unluckiest games that they've played in a year where it's been either you turn the ball over and lose or you get turnovers and dj wanham picks it up and runs over a touchdown it's Mm -hmm. like there's been so many moments like that this year that where you go well you know they did kind of catch a break here or wow everything kind of went against them but that was to the extreme i thought because penalties factor into that for me as well penalties are almost a luck factor in the nfl NFL, in my opinion, I mean, look, you know, of course, you're coaching your players to play clean football and so forth, discipline and all that. But also the referees sometimes throw those flags and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get pass interference called for you or against you. Sometimes the Kansas City Chiefs player takes off his helmet. Nobody flags him for it. And (laughs) right. I mean, like sometimes these uh, go your way. Sometimes they don't. And it felt like everything went against them in Denver at the same time there were probably four or five opportunities for them as an offense or as a defense to finish that game out and go home with a huge win. Uh, And so I think when you're talking about like what needs to be changed, what needs to be different, it's not like you you would come out of that game and criticize a million things about it, but you know, maybe there is some trick plays or such that should be taken out of the playbook, or maybe there's, you know, maybe there is just some simplicity of, 
hand the ball, hand the ball off on yeah. third and one and just get a first down, you know, like some things that they can look at. But if you play like that all the time, most of the time you're going to win. Yeah, most of the time you are going to win. And there are also, you know, every team can say there are three to four plays every game that you could say this is the reason why we won or lost. But one play that stands out to me uh, right before the half, third and five, Russell Wilson threw up a prayer. Josh Mantellis, it seemed like an easy interception. The ball gets knocked out of his hand. The next play, the Broncos kick a field goal yep. right before the half. 10-9, to 9, they get the ball in the second half. And just look at those three points right there. Uh, Harrison Smith said, whenever we can get a chance to get our hands on footballs, we have to make the most of the opportunity. You say what you want about the defense, you know, playing bend but not break defense. But when you get your hand on the football, those are the plays you have to make. So, Jay, just building on last week's loss, how do the Vikings do so before we go to break? Well, I think something like that, you just pointed out the Josh Metellus deal I, to me it, it felt like those are the kind of plays we have been making yep. you know during the season so that's why i think that's why this game is so frustrating yep. from, from denver is just you see those kind of plays where like that or even the touchdown at the end of the game you know it felt like makai pointed it like he saw it and everything and it just didn't make the play at, at the end so there's small things like that 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 you see um even the the fumble on the sideline where you know pace wasn't able to pull it in at mm -hmm. the end before they wanted to bounce like small things like that like you said there's gonna be three or four key plays to me having those plays go your way that's that's been we've been dancing on the razor's edge for the last how many years mm -hmm. at this point of of one score games and again it comes down to small plays like that like you said the field goal at the end of the half if if we're able to go through and and basically make those final plays that we need in order to be that difference maker we're going to be fine and i think that's the reason why everyone's not panicking yet frustrated yep. from that game in denver collar we got about 30 seconds before break just your final thoughts on Sunday's loss at Denver. Well, I would say that there's a lot to carry over to continue to do. Okay. I mean, there were a lot of opportunities for Josh Dobbs to throw the ball down the field. Uh, the one thing I would say with him is it's going to be worth watching the balance between when do I run? Mm -hmm. When do I not run? Because that was the first time where I felt there was a couple of situations where, okay, I don't know if you want to scramble that way, or maybe you do need to stick with it and so forth. And I think we're each week painting a different picture of like what he's going to need to succeed. But what we've learned is even when the other defense plays well, sorry if I went over 30 seconds, uh, that that they could still move the ball, even when you are facing a defense that at the time had been very hot coming into that game. Um, so I, I think that you take away that if you keep doing that every week, more likely than not, you're going to win a lot of games. So this is not one to overreact to. Uh, speaking of some of those weapons that Josh Dobbs will have, he may have a guy that wears number 18 playing in Monday night's football game against the Chicago Bears. We don't know, but right after the break, I'm going to get your thoughts on a possible Justin Jefferson return for this Minnesota Vikings team. That's won five out of his last six games. Don't turn the dial. We'll be right back with more on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skincare treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. 
For more information, visit mypurelux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.mypurelux.com backslash Vikings. We are back. This is the week 12 edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider, our friend from Vikings.com, Jay Nelson, and producer Eric Davidson. And um, I want to start this portion of the segment off with the Pepsi That's What I Like segment. Collar, I I think you are a little familiar with it, but if not, um, we start this segment off. You give us one thing that you like about the Vikings, and you have 40 seconds to get your thoughts out. So 40 seconds is the play clock in regular football. So we're going to use that on this show. So we'll start, we'll start off with you. What is one thing you like about the Minnesota Vikings heading into Monday night football's matchup against the Windy City Kitties? Okay. I assume you're going to throw a flag at me if I go over or I have to call timeout. Uh, (laughs) You know what? I like the new dynamic that Ty Chandler potentially brings to this offense Mm -hmm. that it's unusual that you could be down to kind of your third running back and you feel like, wait a minute, this could actually be better for them. But what we saw on Sunday night was a few really special plays and and not just, you know, the, the big plays, the third and 20 where he gets 20 yards or the, the fake punt. There were plays when I looked back at the game and reviewed it where there was a lot of traffic. There was blocks that weren't perfect Mm -hmm. that he made right with his explosiveness, but also he's more patient Mm -hmm. and, and he's actually a tough runner for somebody who runs under a four, four. You usually don't think of that. So I think that that, that is going in their favor going against uh, Chicago. Right on time. Ty Chandler was a boost that we all needed. Um, everyone everyone has been uh, craving for more Ty Chandler since last year's preseason game in Denver. And the fact that he finally got an opportunity to showcase what he has uh, put on film for us the past few weeks without getting flagged. I mean, he's what, got almost 150 uh, penalty yards against him, and it wasn't his fault this year. But at the same time, it'll be a, a nice treat to see Ty Chandler uh, running the ball again in purple for Monday on, on Monday uh, against the Chicago Bears. Jay. So for me, my uh, that's what I like is the fact that Chicago has been consistently inconsistent uh, <laughs> at this point. They are minus six in turnovers. They've been giving up almost an additional touchdown to opponents per game. And then on top of that, uh, if you go through and, and look at, you know, what's been happening with them, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Mooney's only been averaging 19 yards a game in the last two weeks. And so for them, you're just kind of looking at it saying, who are they getting the ball to? You know, how are they How are they doing what they're doing? You watch that Detroit game and you saw a team that was making plays and everything. And then when it came down to the last four minutes of crunch time, uh, they completely fell on their face with that whole thing. So for me, the consistently inconsistent part of this is something that I feel like we can take advantage of. Right on time. Right on time. This is a Chicago Bears team that is, yeah, they're, they're consistently inconsistent. But if you went, if you went to ChicagoBears.com um, on Monday, you would have thought they won that game in Detroit last <laughs> week. Just talk, just looking at how much they were praising Justin Fields and just him being able to be back, provide a boost for this offense. But still, they're they're the Chicago Bears, right? Like they're still trying to figure it out. With all due respect, I mean, right now they're they're looking at two picks and what the top five at this yep. point. So. For me, it, with Chicago, even listening to some of their fans and looking at some of the stuff that they've they've been talking about, even social media wise, I mean, they're looking for reasons to be excited at this mm-hmm. point. Um, getting Justin Fields back is a huge deal, I think, for them. The idea of 
having Badgett as as their their lead guy wasn't necessarily their idea for the mm-hmm. season. They want to know what they got in Justin Fields, and especially with the draft coming up next year, and there's a ton of talented quarterbacks. They got to make a decision on what's going to happen. So for for me, the just on the bear side, I think they were just excited to get him back, so they can kind of finally figure out what they got on this team. There's a, a couple of things with the bears where when you look at their record and you look at where they rank offense defense you go okay this should be a steamroll right Mm -hmm. and yet justin fields has this tendency to just when you think it's over he has some great game he Mm -hmm. puts up some big performance (laughs) that was you know earlier this year against washington and Mm -hmm. then the same thing against detroit he comes back and we saw it last year at u.s bank stadium where Mm -hmm. the first half of that game I was like, oh, man, yeah, wow. Like over 200 passing yards. Right, yeah, and right. Then the second half of the game, he explodes mm-hmm. and should have had a 60-yard touchdown run if not back for on, yeah. old friend Amir Smith-Marset mm-hmm. committing a block in the back. So he kind of scares you from that perspective. Yeah. Also, DJ Moore, I think, is a, a heck of a wide receiver. Yeah. And when you look at some of the ways that quarterbacks have succeeded over the last two weeks, it's not been a ton of success, but it's been you know jump balls and giving receivers a chance where it was Chris Olave or it was Cortland Sutton, and they got a guy who can do that as well. Yep. So is he going to put the ball up there? And then I also think Montez Sweat is a totally different animal over there. Yeah, yeah right. He's a, He's a beast. Right. And so they didn't have that guy, yep. and they played pretty well against this Vikings offense before. So this, to me, and the division element is a little bit more of a difficult matchup than it might look like on paper. Yeah, I was in Washington when the the commanders drafted Montez Sweat. He was drafting the same draft as Dwayne Haskins, the guy rest his soul. And uh, just the two years that I was with Montez Sweat, I was like, give him about two or three more years. He's going to be a problem in the NFL. He finally got his money. He's finally in Chicago, a place that I would say in this case that really wants him and is going to use him. So uh, it's going to be a tall task for our, for our bookends and Brian O'Neill and Christian Darisaw. But the one thing that I like heading into Sunday, well, Monday's matchup against the Bears is the fact that we have a bye week next week. So if you look at history, uh, seven out of the last eight years, the game before the vi- the game before the bye week, the Vikings have won. So if you look at just all you know, all hands on deck, guys buying into it, this is going to be a look. I'm going to put you know 110 percent in this into this game because I know next week I'm gonna get the entire week off. Uh, going into this game, I knew that that Denver Broncos game would be the trap game. So the fact that we know the bye week is next week, I think guys will be pretty fired up heading into Chicago. So we're heading into the Chicago Bears game at U.S. Bank Stadium. So this is this is going to be a fun matchup for for everyone in attendance because we know we're going to get the best effort from everyone on this on the I guess in the color purple. I'm going to give my best effort because this is the latest I've ever covered a a bye week. My (laughs) gosh. When did we start working on this season? Like July? Yeah. 15 straight games. I am gassed. But you know we talk about uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about Jefferson but you know, the potential to have him back, get a week, whether he comes back this week or next week, he gets another additional week yep. uh, to get healthy. They've been a little banged up. You know, they've fought injuries this year quite a bit. How would you address the JJ situation if you're Kevin O'Connell? I trade him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be like the Colts and just wave him, right? Hey, they look, they win games without him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think to me it's entirely this medical staff has proven itself time and time again i think uh, this is team has been one of the best in the entire nfl at dealing with injuries the nfl pa survey shows that as well and so i would kind of lean on them mm-hmm. if he's ready to go this week you get an extra day as well then let's go uh but 
if it's not 100% full, total, and complete confidence, we talked about the playoff situation. Uh, also, this is not a player that is going to be here this year and then gone. I mean, this yeah. is a guy you want here for another decade. So we have seen in the past where those hamstring injuries can just pop up and pop up. And I, I go back to 2019 when they put out Adam Thielen too early and he re-aggravated it almost instantly in the mm. Kansas City game. It threw them off entirely in that game. You do not want that to happen again where he's battling that week in yeah. and week out, especially when you do have a, a little bit of a cushion. So utmost caution, but if it's 100%, then let's go. Initially, the diagnostics, the di- basically the, the doctor said that Justin Jefferson will be out four to six weeks, Jay. Uh, this upcoming Monday will be a full six weeks. Yeah. And granted, you know, he's Justin Jefferson said he doesn't care about your fantasy team. He's sure. going to play when he's 100%. But still, would you put J.J. on a pinch, pitch count this week, understanding that you got a bye week next week, or do you still wait until he's 100%? Maybe he is 100%. We really don't know right now. That's the thing. Like, he and the medical staff are going to know how he feels at this point. But for me, it's the idea of if there's any question at all, wait the extra week because yep. you're going to get two weeks of rest. Because, I mean, if you have him for that final five-week sprint at the end of the season, that is what's the most important yep. at this point. You've proven you can win without him currently. It's always great to have him on the field. He's a difference maker, and everybody has to account for him. But for me, it's like you don't even play with the idea of having any kind of issues with it. If he's at all questionable, just wait the two weeks and, gotcha. and bring him back. Quick 30 seconds, Kyler, before we wrap this show. Key to success. What is one key to success for a Vikings win on Monday night? It feels way too obvious to say don't fumble when you're right about to win the game. <laughs> Maybe right? I should like, say Sands turning the ball over. Don't, don't do that. Uh, I would say that uh, Brian Flores did a tremendous job of putting uh, Justin Fields' brain in a blender in the, mm-hmm. the first game. He looked confused at the coverages and the pressures. Uh, and they're going to have to do that again Mm -hmm. and also contain him because I think he's coming into this game with a lot of confidence, and if he breaks out, he can make special plays. So I think that's probably the key. I mean, this is the first full game. Well, I guess he did Justin Fields play last week, but this will be the second full game that Justin Fields has played since playing the Vikings, and we saw what Brian Flores did there. Jay, key to success. My key is to negate his number one weapon in D.J. Moore. Mm -hmm. Uh, D.J. Moore has got 889 yards so far. In the last nine seasons, the Bears have only had three 1,000-yard receivers, period. Um, I mean, last year, Cole Komet was their top guy with 544 receiving yards, which Mm. is crazy. So to (laughs) me, uh, eliminate DJ Moore from the game plan, and you're going to really put them in a bind, given that they haven't been able to focus on anyone else so far this season. I love it. You got a three and eight Chicago Bears team coming into town facing the six and five Minnesota Vikings. This will be a fun matchup. The Vikings are looking forward to continuing their win streak over the Chicago Bears. They've won five straight over the Windy City Kitties. So Uh, Hopefully that continues as the Minnesota Vikings head into their bye week next week. So for Matthew Collar, our producer, Eric Davison, and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Spicy wings are a tailgate staple. Did you know the casein protein in cow's milk will help ease the burn by binding to the oily compound capsaicin in chili peppers? Plus, Milk provides 13 nutrients and a boost of energy to keep cheering on your favorite team. For more information, check out usdairy.com. Brought to you by Undeniably Dairy.